Alright, why don't you guys pull out your Bibles and get ready. Um, so I guess the the closest thing, the closest event on the schedule is the Back to School Bash just in a couple days on s- Saturday. Um, so we're not doing that in the evening though, we're doing it in the afternoon so that we have daylight and more time to do it. So meet out at Cabin Creek and Sugar Creek. If you can't drive or you know you just need to carpool, like let us know. Um, there's no reason like we can't, like some of the counselors and even some of the kids who can drive, like we can carpool, you know what I mean? So like if you're not sure if you can go because of the ride, just like talk to us. We'll we'll make sure that someone gets you. Ty can drive now. I don't know if he's allowed to drive to Sugar Creek yet or not, but you figure it out. You get there eventually, right? And just go slow, you know? You just get on that one road in Dover and keep going, and you'll hit Sugar Creek if you don't stop. So yeah, just yeah, watch out for horses. So, yeah, the Cabin Creek golf thing will be fun. We'll have lunch at noon, so make sure you come for that. We'll play volleyball, batting cages, and putt-putt and all that stuff. It'll be fun. It's kind of our last hurrah before school starts, right? Womp womp. Um, but, yeah, make sure you come to that, and it'll be fun. Um, if Is the T-shirt sign-up sheet passing around? Cool, cool. So w- that's passing around, and there's one at the Welcome Center. Uh, just make sure that if you didn't write down shirt and shirt sizes, if you are interested and you're going to buy one when they come in, you need to write it down so I know how many to order, okay? I will order a few extra, so it's okay. I, I'll order a few more. But I just need to know if I'm ordering 100 or 20, you know? So I'll order more than 20. A lot of you guys have signed up, so make sure you sign up for that. All right, if you want to open your Bibles, we'll be in the book of Romans today. Romans chapter 1 is where our main passage at is at. We have been doing a series this month called Watchmen. Why are we doing a series called Watchmen? Let's get some interaction here. Somebody yell it out for me. What, wh- why are we doing a series on Watchmen? So we can be Watchmen at school, right. What, what did you say? Who said? To tell everybody What? The gospel, that's good, all right. Some people are listening or putting two and two together. These are pretty easy questions. Um, But we are doing a series called Watchmen because the Bible calls us to be watchmen. The first week that we looked at uh, the prophet Ezekiel's life, Ezekiel 33 is where we get the title for this series because God told Ezekiel, hey man, you are a watchman to the house of Israel. And you can go back and read that on your own in Ezekiel 33. But just like Ezekiel, we are called to be watchmen. We have a message. We have a warning to tell people because judgment is coming. And that, that's part of the gospel is, is knowing not only that Jesus came, but why Jesus came. And so we are called to be watchmen. And we're challenging you guys this year at school to be watchmen and not just to dilly-dally and meander through another school year without doing anything, but actually having some intentional, purposeful um, strategies and, and, and desiring to be an influence on other people's lives. And so that's the challenge that we're seeing. Uh, so the first week we saw the responsibilities of a watchman. We saw that it's a, a, a silent watchman. Although he knows that the enemy is coming, a silent watchman is a disobedient watchman, right? So if a watchman sees the enemy coming but never sounds the alarm, that's a terrible watchman. So if you're a Christian in here and you know what Jesus did and he, how he died for your sins and you're, you accepted that gift as your own and you're saved, but you never tell anyone, you're a terrible watchman. And, and, and that's okay. If you didn't know, that's okay. But now you, you know, like, hey, you've got a message. You've got a warning to tell people about. So we saw the responsibility of a watchman. Last week we saw the urgency of watchmen, right? We saw that watchmen should know about the day, the day of the Lord that's coming. And we saw, kind of, we saw some prophecy. We did some Bible study about how Jesus is coming back. 
So we got to know about the day, and we saw that we got to know about the time, because it's nighttime right now while Jesus isn't on the earth, but the day is coming. Jesus is coming back, and so if we know about the day and we know the times that we're living in, that'll give us a sense of urgency so that we aren't lazy watchmen and disobedient watchmen. It'll give us urgency that we need to do our jobs. And tonight we're going to see something along the same lines. We're, we're going to look at the motivation that we should have as watchmen. And, and you might think, well, that's kind of like urgency. Well, it is. We should have a sense of urgency, and that should motivate us. But what I want to see tonight is that there should be other things. What else should motivate a watchman to do his job. And we're going to see what the Apostle Paul has to say to us about that in Romans chapter 1. But before we get there, I just, God was just laying something on my heart. I just want to tell you guys that, listen, I was in high school and middle school at FBC. I came up through Extreme. I came up through 180 back then before it was called Ignite. And I, I act like it was called 180 like 20 years ago. <laughs> back then when it was called 180 like two and a half years ago. <laughs> I came up through this, and you know what? I felt like sometimes back in the day, I, I would sit out there, and you know, maybe it was summertime like now, or maybe it was after school on a Wednesday night, and sometimes I just felt like, man, I, I didn't do anything to the youth pastor. It, my youth pastor's name was Josh. I'm like, why is he so mad at me? Why, why is he just like going off at me right now? And, and once you get to this side and you understand, listen, Every th when, when I've been preaching and I've been doing youth ministry for six years now. This is my sixth year, so I've been doing this gig for a, a while. And, and when, I, when we get up here, and not just me, but the other counselors, we share with you what God's word says. We're not doing it because we want to be killjoys, and we're like, hey, man, you shouldn't have fun in high school like everybody else. You should do the church thing, because that's what I did, and I didn't have fun, so you shouldn't have fun. That's, that's like not at all what it is. And I know sometimes it can kind of feel like, okay, whatever, dude, I get it. But no, really, the reason I've spent six years of my life teaching every week from the Bible, and the reason these counselors come and we invest the word into your life is, is because if you actually take that book that's sitting in your lap and you learn to love it, and you learn to love the God that wrote it, and you learn to seek it on a daily basis and read it, and not just read it, but actually apply the teachings found in it to your life, not only will you lead a life that is less troublesome than other people, you, you will get in less trouble in high school, I'm telling you, if you just learn to apply Bible truths to your life. Not only will you get in less trouble, not only will you lead a, a more fulfilled life, not only all those benefits, but you'll actually live a life that glorifies God. And that's like a great thing. And so, Every Wednesday when we come in here, and I know I get riled up sometimes, and I'm sorry, and if you ever feel like I know what you did last summer, I, I swear I don't. I, I have no idea what you do when you're on your own. All I'm doing is sharing God's word with you, and if you ever, if you ever feel that, like I'm talking directly at you, just know that's, that's God talking to you. That's, that's the Holy Spirit using his word to convict you, not to kill any fun, but to show you, listen, you need to get this right in your life. Because you might be 14, 15, 16, 17 years old now, but if you, if you keep up living like the world and do what the world says in five, ten years down the road, it's really going to come to bite you in the rear end. I'm telling you. Your actions catch up with you. You reap what you sow, Galatians 6 tells us. So uh, let me just encourage, I don't know why, I just felt like God laying that on my heart tonight. Just, I just want to encourage you. When we go through these Bible studies, 
man, really seek and ask God to show you what you need to do to apply these things to your life and to actually live out what we learn from the Bible, not just to let it pass through one ear and out the other and you go through four years of high school and youth group and, and graduate without it never actually learning anything. Let me just challenge you, man, to take this book and learn to love it. Not just some things that, you know, your, your pastor and your counselors tell you to, you, you gotta read this every day. Have you been reading? Have you been reading? The reason we do that is because if you learn to do it now, you'll do it when you're an adult. If you don't learn to do it now, you won't do it as an adult. And man, if you can learn to apply biblical principles to your life, you'll have a big jump start. You'll have a big head start on a lot of people. Keep yourself out of trouble, but you also learn to glorify God with your life. And that's, man, that's an amazing thing. And that's why we're here. So as we dive into our study tonight, and, and we're looking at not just being watchmen, but what should motivate us to be watchmen? I want us to look at three verses in Romans chapter 1. If you look in Romans 1 at uh, verses 14, 15, and 16, I want you to see what the Apostle Paul um, is writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit to the, the church at Rome. So he's writing to Roman believers. And what he says in verse 14, and of course the Holy Spirit, he's not just saying this to Rome back then at the turn of the century, um, but he is, turn of the century, turn of the millennium, really. Um, he's speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and I today. And look at what he says in verse 14. Paul says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what we're going to see in these three verses is three statements that Paul makes. He says three I am statements that are going to share with us why he was motivated to do what God called him to do, to, to be a watchman, essentially. But before we get to that, I, I want to just kind of remind you, and we kind of said this already, what was Paul motivated about? Well, verse 15 says he, that he was ready to preach the gospel, right? And then verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The, the gospel is what Paul was motivated and passionate about. And so when you said earlier that the gospel is what we're supposed to be watchmen of, that's absolutely right. And that might sound like a cliche church answer. Uh, youth pastor asks a question, what's the answer? Jesus, the gospel, the Bible. Yes, but don't let it just become old hat. Don't let it become something that you just are used to hearing. This is what Paul was passionate about. So we can't forget, Christian, why we're called to be watchmen. We're called to be watchmen to warn people. We have a message, right? We have a warning, and that message is the gospel. And so what we're going to see tonight, really, the, the, the entire message in these three verses boils down to this. A proper view of the gospel will give you a proper understanding of yourself, of who you are. Properly understanding the gospel will give you a correct view of yourself and who you are and what your job is. And that will provide you with the motivation that you need to do it. So we, we have to have a proper view of the gospel and, and the importance of the message. And hopefully, 
over the last couple of weeks, you've seen that, as we saw Ezekiel and, and, and the urgency of uh, understanding the times in the gospel. I, I hope that you've started to see that, the importance of the message. Because if you can grasp the importance of the message, it will reveal how you should view yourself, okay? And so the first point we're going to see here tonight, and this is just verse 14, we're just going to go verse by verse here, is that a proper view of the gospel gives you a proper understanding of yourself in relation to people. And what Paul says is that in relation to people, he was a debtor. A debtor. So if we truly understand the gospel message that we have as watchmen, it will give you a proper understanding of who you are in relation to other people. And that being that we are debtors. Romans 1.14, Paul says, I am a debtor. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Paul understood the gospel and what it meant to him. And because of the gospel, how Paul viewed himself in relation to other people was that he was in debt to them. He was a debtor to the lost. So in relation to lost people, the gospel made him in debt. A debtor, if we just defined it, it's just someone who owes something. To someone else, right? So like I owe on my house because I'm not super loaded and I didn't pay cash for it. So I got a loan, a 30-year loan that, you know, I'm not even 30 years old, but I will pay for this house for the next 30 years. I'm not. Nobody pays for a house for 30 years. You know, they move and buy another house and they stay in debt for the rest of their lives. But that's aside from the point. Bill can probably give you some good tips on how to pay, actually pay your house off. Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> See Phil in the lobby. See him at the Welcome Center before you leave. What could be better? So I have a mortgage loan through U.S. Bank, which means I am a debtor to U.S. Bank. I own my house, kind of. Technically, you could say I don't, but I, I do. Legally, I own my house, but I owe the bank money to pay for it. I owe them something, okay? So I'm a debtor. And what Paul says in relation to lost people, because of the gospel, he's a debtor to them. He owes them something. Luke 16, 5 gives us the same definition. There's this story about a steward uh, in Luke 16, and in verse 5 it says that he called every one of his lord, or you know, his, his boss, you could say, his lord's debtors unto him, and he said unto the first, how much owest thou unto my lord? So, so a debtor is just somebody who owes something to someone else, okay? They're indebted to somebody. And Paul had a right view of the gospel, and thus, because of that, he had a right view of himself in relation to other people. He was indebted to them. He knew that he owed them the gospel. And that's, that's not even saying just figuratively he owed them the gospel. He was saying quite literally, like I owe on my house. <laughs> Paul was saying I owe them the gospel like I'm in debt why? why? Why does he owe them the gospel? Well, because it's in the very nature of the gospel that it should be shared with others. Because Christ died for everyone, right? Not just for you. If you had the cure for cancer and you kept it to yourself, you'd be a pretty big jerk, <laughs> right? You have the cure for sin, and if you received that and said, thank you, Jesus, it didn't cost me anything, and I'm going to sit on that and not tell anybody, you're a bad watchman. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It's an open invitation to everyone. And so it should be shared with everyone. Mark 16, 15 is the Great Commission. Jesus says to his disciples, Go ye into all the world 
and preach the gospel to every creature. See, the gospel is meant for everybody, not just a select number of people. It's for everyone without exclusion. So Paul says, this is interesting. I love his, how he phrases this. He says, I'm debtor to both the Greeks and the barbarians, whatever that means. And he says, to the wise and the unwise. So Paul is going to contrast two different groups of people. And frequently, when you don't understand something in the Bible, if you keep reading, they'll define it, which is great. So the Greeks and the barbarians, I don't know who those people are. Then to the wise and the unwise. Well, that's, that's who the Greeks and the barbarians were. Greek people, the Greeks, which essentially would be Gentiles, anyone who's not a Jew. But the Greeks specifically were people who were very philosophical. They were very educated. They loved to think. And barbarians were not. I don't know, what do you guys think of when you hear the word barbarian? <laughs> An old cartoon from our childhood that got canceled. That's one thing. I don't know, I just think of like barbaric people, right? You know, they, they, they weren't like highly educated. Maybe they just beat people to a pulp. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't Google what barbarian means. Just think about it. Barbarians are not educated. They're just savage warriors. And Paul says, he's contrasting the two and showing you that the gospel's for everyone. He says, I'm a debtor to the Greeks. I'm a debtor to the wise, the educated, the philosophers, and to the unwise, the barbarians, the people who weren't educated. He says, it's the gospel's for everyone. I'm in debt to everybody. The wise versus the unwise, the educated versus the uneducated. He said he was indebted to all people without distinction. So let me ask you this. How do, is that how you feel? Do you feel indebted to everyone that's around you because of the gospel? Because if you have a proper view of the gospel, you'll have a proper understanding of who you are in relation to those people. You're a debtor. Maybe that's why you aren't as motivated to share because you didn't actually understand that. You have to understand, Christian, that by accepting Christ as your Savior, by receiving the gospel, that makes you a debtor to the rest of the world who doesn't have the gospel. Because God gave that to you for free and then he turned around and said, now go give it to as many people as you can. And we have urgency because the time is short, but the motivation comes from understanding that we are in debt to everybody because of the message that we hold. And here's the key that Paul tells us, not just people you like. Paul says, I'm indebted to the Greeks and the barbarians, the educated and the uneducated, the wise and the unwise. We are indebted not just to people we like, not just to our friends, not just to people that like you, all kinds of people, all races, right? All cultures, all cliques, you could say. You're a debtor to the Greeks and the barbarians. So you know what? You're a debtor to the geeks and the athletes, right? You're not just the people in your friend group. You're a, you're a debtor to the popular and to the unpopular, to students and to stoners. Everyone needs the gospel. I know. I went to high school. I know who's there. They probably still look the same and wear the same shirts and play with the same hacky sack. You, you're, you're a debtor to them too. Not just to people you like. Paul says the gospel is for everyone and I am indebted. I am a debtor to everyone. And you know what? Not just to Americans, to internationals too. Because you got plenty of those at your school as well. So do you view yourself this way? Do you view yourself as a debtor to, to the lost world, to everyone? Because of the gospel message. Because you should, and that's the first point of our motivation. It was the first point of Paul's motivation. Next, 
A proper view of the gospel gives you a proper understanding of yourself in relation to preparation. Paul says, not only am I a debtor, he says in, in Romans 1.15, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul says, I'm a debtor. So notice this, in verse 15, he says, so. He's connecting this to the last thought. So the fact that he understood the gospel and that he was a debtor to everyone, that motivated him to be ready, he says. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. He was prepared. Paul's right view of the gospel and proper view of himself as a debtor made him prepared, ready to share the gospel to anyone and everyone. Look at the first part of that verse, as much as in me is. Can you hear the passion from Paul's voice? He didn't just say, listen, I got saved, so I know the gospel, and my youth pastor said I need to share with everybody, so I'm going to share with you too. No. Paul says, listen, I am a debtor to everyone because of the grace that God gave me, and so with as much as in me is, I am ready to preach The gospel to you at Rome too. It was this that motivated him. Paul was an incredibly motivated guy. I mean, you can read about it all through the New Testament, but specifically in Acts 21 and verse 13, Paul says, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? He says, for I am ready, there it is, ready, not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul says, listen, I know that if I go to Jerusalem, I'm probably going to get bound and thrown in jail. But he says, don't cry about that. He says, I am ready because of the gospel and my being a debtor. I am ready. I am prepared not only to be bound for the gospel, but to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. So I want to ask you, are you ready? This is on your sheet. Are you ready, meaning prepared, to share the gospel. If someone asks you at school, the first day of school comes around and somebody comes up to you, you know them, maybe you don't know them, and they come up to you and say, hey man, what does it mean to be saved and how do I do that? Would it catch you off guard? I mean, probably, because it'd be like, what? We're at school right now, what's happening? But what if that happened? It, 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 it doesn't happen often, but it sometimes does happen where somebody would be like, hey, do you know how to get saved? Hopefully you're living your life in such a way that you stand out from the darkness, and if somebody does want to know that, they'll come and ask you. And if somebody does come and ask you, would you be ready? Would you be prepared to share the gospel with them? Well, I want to give you two steps here to know if you're ready to share the gospel. Do you know it? (laughs) Letter A. Well, I'm saved. Of course I know the gospel. Okay. Can you articulate it? (laughs) Do you know what the gospel is? Do you know what saved you, Christian? Or has it been so long that you forgot. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Paul says, This is the gospel that I declared unto you that, that you were saved by. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That is the good news of the Bible. That is the gospel, that Christ, according to the scriptures, died in our place, he was buried, and he rose again three days later, according to the scriptures. 
That's the good news. Okay, you got to know the good news, but without knowing the bad news, the good news doesn't do you much, right? So the good news of the gospel is that the bad news is man is separated from God, right? Romans 3.23, because of our sin. But good news, God sent his son to die for us, Romans 5.8, so that whosoever believeth in him, John 3.16, Romans 10.9 and 10, they can have eternal life with him, Romans 6.23. Do you know those things? Listen, if you don't know some of those Romans verses, you need to know those. Because if someone came to you and asked you how to get saved and you can't tell them, you're not, you're not ready. You're not ready to share the gospel. You're a watchman who doesn't have a message. You're a watchman who sees the enemy coming but doesn't know what to say. And you already know this, but a silent watchman is a disobedient watchman. Do you know the gospel or have you forgotten? Maybe that's why you're not motivated. Because if you understand the gospel and you understand what God saved you out of, that's what motivated Paul to share it with everyone he could because he knew what God did. Letter B, or letter A, do you know it? And if you aren't saved, man, if you don't know the gospel, you can receive that tonight. Letter B, can you share it? Okay, so I know the gospel. Yes, I got saved a couple years ago. I got saved at summer camp, whatever, whatever it means. I got saved, I asked my parents, and they led me to Christ in their bedroom when I was seven years old. Awesome. Can you share the gospel? Can you share it? That's part of being ready. Do you know how? Well, let me, let me ask you this. Do you know your testimony? Your testimony is just your story of how you got saved. There's three parts to every testimony. You can write this down. Number one, how I was before I met Christ. Number two, how I met Christ, and number three, how I'm different after I met Christ. So one, before, two, how did you get saved? How'd you meet him? How'd you find out the gospel? Who told you? Where were you at? How old were you? What happened? Why, why did you realize all of a sudden you needed to get saved? And then number three, how are you different after? Before, salvation, after. That's the three components to a testimony. And if you can do that, if you know your story and you know some verses about the, the gospel in Romans, you can be ready. It's not, it's not that hard. If you are saved, you should know enough to share with somebody. Do you know Romans Road? I mean, I could share it with you right now, but there's, there's six or eight references in Romans and if you ask a counselor, we can show you how to make what's called chain references in your Bible. So you don't have to have a list of them. You just go to Romans 3.10 or 3.23, which is the first one, and then you write the next reference beside it. And then you go to that one, you write the next reference beside it, so that if you, at least, all you gotta know is the first one. <laughs> if you just remember Romans 3.10 or Romans 3.23, then you can lead somebody through Romans Road because you have them written down in your Bible. That's part of being prepared. That's part of being ready to share the gospel, do you know the Romans road? If you don't, ask us. Ask your discipler. Ask your burn discipler. Ask one of the counselors. Ask me, I'll show you. How about this? How, do you know the ABCs? The ABCs of salvation. Nurse Mike got saved because his buddy in high school told him the ABCs of salvation. You know what the ABCs are? Admit, believe, confess. It's that easy. You know, and you know what admit, believe, and confess means? Letter A, admit that you're a sinner, that you're separated from God because of your sin. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross to save you and confess him as the Lord of your life and ask him to forgive you. It's that easy. And you know what that is? That's Romans 10, 9, and 10. That's all it is. The ABCs. All of those things are just simple little tools that make you ready to share the gospel. Do you know it? Can you share it? If your answer is no to either of those questions, then you're not ready, you're not prepared. 
But you can get ready. You can become prepared. It's what God has called us to as Christians, okay? Ephesians 6 is the famous passage that gives us the, uh, the gosh, I'm blanking. Ephesians 6, the suit, armor, the armor of God. The suit of God? The suit of armor? The chain mail? <laughs> the armor of God is in Ephesians 6, and you know what it says that we cover our feet with? Ephesians 6, 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, and your feet shod, or covered, or, you know, have on your feet, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet, your, your shoes in the armor of God, your boots, are being prepared to share the gospel everywhere that your feet take you. How about that? The preparation of the gospel of peace. Do you have your feet covered with the gospel? So that wherever you go, you can be prepared. to sh- You know what? The Bible tells us we should be prepared to do that. 1 Peter 3.15, I love this verse. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always. Ready. Be ready. Be prepared always. What? To give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So maybe someone doesn't come up to you and say, hey, how do I get saved? But maybe they come up to you and ask you, hey, why are you so different? Or hey, um, why don't you say all the dirty jokes in the locker room with the other guys on the team? Or, hey, how come you don't go to those parties where uh, there's alcohol? Why, hey, why, why do you have this different thing about you? You should always be ready, the Bible says, to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. You should be prepared. And if you're not, then you're not a prepared watchman. But you can become a prepared watchman. You don't have to stay that way, okay? This is what the Bible tells you to do, and you can become prepared because having a right view of the gospel gives you a proper understanding of yourself in relation to being prepared, to be ready. If you understand the gospel, you understand that you need to be ready. You understand that, just like Paul did, and that motivated Paul. Paul said, as much as in me is, I am ready. I am motivated to do this thing. He wasn't a lazy watchman. Are you a debtor? Are you ready? And then number three, a proper view of the gospel gives you a proper understanding of yourself in relation to presentation, the actual presentation of the gospel, how you share. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. You know what that means? I'm bold. Paul was bold. He wasn't timid about it. He was not ashamed about it. He was bold. Romans 1.16, for I am, this is the third I am statement. He says, I am debtor, I am ready. Number three, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Notice all of these things are about the gospel, by the way. I am a debtor because of the gospel. I am ready to preach the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And so if we have a proper understanding of the gospel, it will motivate us to be watchmen. You see that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? He's gonna give you the, this is the proper understanding of the gospel, not the definition of the gospel. We already saw that. But here is the proper view that you should have of the gospel. It's the power of God. It provides salvation, and that salvation is available to all people. 
That's what Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul says the proper view that you should have of the gospel is what will motivate you to do the job. And that's understanding that it is the power of God. The gospel is God's grace to us. Without the gospel, we're all doomed to be separated from him forever because of our sin. It's the power of God. And it's the power that provides salvation. But not only does it provide salvation, it's for everyone. It's to anybody. You don't have to be rich. Understand, at this point in time, there was a class system and if you weren't born into the wealthy class, you would never be in the wealthy class. It's not capitalism like in America. Well, well, even if you're born down and out, you can work hard. You can be good at sports. You can do something to better yourself. No, no, no. Back then, if you were born unwealthy, you were stuck unwealthy. And Paul says this gospel is to the wise and the unwise, the educated and the uneducated, the Greek and the barbarian, to the poor and to the rich. And that motivated him. It's to everybody. That is the power of God. This is the proper understanding of the gospel. And when we can truly grasp this, then it will motivate us to be good watchmen. Paul's proper view of the gospel, and uh, along with his preparedness and his indebtedness, made his presentation of the gospel bold because he wasn't ashamed. Because he understood what the gospel does and what it did for him. He understood all of that. He understood that he was a debtor. And because of that, he was ready. And because of all those things, he was a bold watchman. He wasn't ashamed. He was motivated. Ashamed of what? Well, it says that he wasn't, he's not ashamed of the gospel. Not, notice that a lot of people say, you know, not ashamed of God, not ashamed of Jesus. No, no, no. He's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's not ashamed of that. Just pretty cool if you if you just search the word ashamed in the Bible, it shows up over 100 times. And I just ran that word this week, and it's amazing. You know who else wasn't ashamed of God's word? David wasn't. In Psalm 119 verse 46, he said, "I will speak of thy testimonies," which is would be his words also before kings, and will not be ashamed. Verse 80, same chapter, David said, let my heart be sound in thy statutes, the word of God, that I be not ashamed. Verse 116, same chapter, David says, uphold me according unto thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. When you truly have a proper understanding of the gospel and its power, you won't be ashamed of it. Watchmen aren't ashamed of their message. They understand its importance. Philippians 1, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul's boldness and not being ashamed of the message that he carried made him willing to give his life. And you know what? Giving your life to the Lord doesn't just mean that you die physically. But it might mean giving your life to do whatever he calls you to do, which might not be what you are planning on doing. Maybe it's something else. You see how this should affect our motivation, all of this? It should make us bold for the Lord. 
2 Timothy 1.7, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, amen, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, Paul says, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He says, don't be afraid of the afflictions that might come because of the gospel, whether that's physical, verbal, whatever. Don't be afraid. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Be bold. Don't be ashamed. There's no need to be scared. Why do we fear sharing the gospel? Why do we fear simply being different and standing out at school? Why do we fear those things? Because we fear what people will think of us. Listen, I I can't make this decision for you, but you, at some point, Christian, if you want to be a watchman and want to do what the Lord has called you to do, you have to personally decide that Christ and the gospel are more important than what people think of you. That's the only way you'll be an effective minister. The only way you'll be an effective watchman is you have to come to the personal decision that Christ and the gospel is just more important to you personally than what people think of you. That's the only way. I'm telling you, that's the only way. You have to arrive at that. You have to be motivated by that. I can't make that decision for you. You know what? When I was in high school, I wasn't one of the popular kids. I mean, I went to Philly. There's a lot of kids at Dover in Philly. And it was probably 200, 250 kids in my graduating class, something like that. And um, I wasn't one of like the popular kids. I was just one of the kids who was trying to blend in a little bit and just get through without getting picked on too hard. So I get it if that's you. I was like that. I didn't get this cool until I was an adult. (laughs) So I get how hard it is to go through high school. And you know what? I was a Christian too. I understand how hard it is to be a Christian in high school. Um, I got mocked. I got ridiculed about it. I got ridiculed, not even just for being a Christian, but because I was a Christian, I wouldn't do what everyone else did. And you just get ridiculed for it. I get that. It's hard. It makes you scared of what people will think, and it makes you keep your mouth shut so that you're not a good watchman. I'm just, I'm only telling you this so that you can understand that I'm with you. I get how hard it is. I, I'll, I'll give you a story. I, I mean, I try to just, I mean, I was, this story is probably almost 15 years ago. It's been a long time since I was in high school. I try to shut that part of my brain out. Not high school in general, but the bad times. I, I remember sitting at lunch one time. I, I think I was a freshman because um, I was at Philly and I went to Buckeye my junior year. So I was either a freshman or a sophomore. I think I was a freshman. And um, I was sitting at a table just with one, one of my friends. So it was just me and another guy. And we weren't a part of the cool crowd. But, but, I mean, you know everyone in your class. You know who the cool people are. And um, a couple of the, the cool crowd, guys and girls, came over to our table just to mock us, just to make fun of us. And um, I remember specifically, I don't know why this, this one burns in my brain because it cuts so deep. But I just remember this guy, I still know his name, I can still picture his face, looking at 14-year-old Kale, whatever, uh, what, how old are freshmen, 14? 14 years old, just mocking me, saying, why won't you have sex? 14 years old, <laughs> making fun of me because I won't have sex before I'm married. And I said, I'm not going to have sex because God says it's for marriage. Just mocking me, ridiculing me. He says, he looks at me and he says, Kale, I, I'll remember this f- till I die. Points at me and says, you're going to die a virgin, man. And you know what? That shouldn't matter. And as an adult, I would just laugh now. But you know what? As a 14-year-old kid, that hurt. I remember it, man. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words cut deep. And then you hold on to them for a long time. 
and you just ridiculed. He's doing it in front of these other popular girls who are just laughing. I get it. It's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy being a Christian in high school. It's not. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. But what I'm saying is that Christ is worth it. He's worth it. And you have to come to the decision at some point that Christ and the gospel is worth more than what people think of you. I used to play basketball in high school too and I had dudes in the locker room who would mess with me because I knew I wouldn't do and look at and say what they said. And we had this uh, basketball every year. We had a gift exchange where you would have like a secret Santa kind of thing and they would give you a gift. And I had this one kid who gave me, it, I opened it up and it was just a DVD of a movie and I was like, it, it was, I think it was Jack Frost. It was something stupid. I was like, okay. And everyone was just laughing and giggling. And uh, the coach was sitting over where he couldn't see me, but I just cracked it open, and it wasn't the movie on the cover. It was a burned DVD that said Kale's Porn, and they were just laughing. So I know, man, I know how hard it is. There's two stories for you. I got loads more. I know it's hard to be a Christian in high school, but what I'm telling you is your message is too important to cave. It's too important to blend in. You have to come to the decision at some point that Christ and the gospel is more important. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Christ is worth it. Just because, and the Bible gives us this really cool promise, just because you may suffer for being a Christian doesn't mean you have to be ashamed. You don't have to. Look at 1 Peter 4, 16. Peter says, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Listen, if you suffer for being a Christian, you get to glorify the Lord because of that. That's awesome. I know this high school seems like forever, seems like an eternity, but I'm telling you, this life in general is very short. And what matters more in the long run is did you glorify God with the life he gave you? And did you do the job he gave you to do? And what can motivate you to do that job and to be a watchman is understanding, grasping, having a right view of the gospel. And then letting that give you a proper view of yourself in relation to lost people. You're a debtor to them. A proper view of yourself in relation to being prepared. Are you ready to share the gospel? A proper view of yourself in relation to, uh, what did I just say, point three, whatever that was, presentation, not ashamed. You're not ashamed, you're bold. Just share the gospel regardless of what people say of you. I know it's hard, but it's worth it. It's coming from someone who's been in your shoes, not just some guy telling you how to live your life. It's worth it. And if you're in, you know what? There's other counselors and kids in this room who are in with you, and we're your family, and we're here to edify each other and to encourage each other and to love each other. And school might be hard sometimes because you're living for Christ, but when we come here on Wednesdays and there on Sundays, this is where we love on each other and encourage each other and remind each other, hey, we still got a job to do, right, Watchmen? We still have a job to do. We still have to warn people because the day is at hand. The time is short. We gotta be urgent, but we have to be motivated. Life getting hard can keep, it, it can dampen our flame sometimes. You know what I mean? It, it can keep us from being motivated. So let me just leave you with this. Do you truly have a proper understanding of the gospel? If you're not saved today, please, I don't have time to go through all of that again. Please talk to one of us. You, you can be saved and know without a shadow of 
a doubt tonight when you leave that you'll spend eternity in heaven with God someday. You can put that peace in your heart. You don't have to go to sleep wandering and having nightmares of that kind of stuff. You can know tonight. Do you have a proper understanding of the gospel? And because of that, do you view yourself as a debtor to all people? Are you ready to share it? And let me just ask you the last thing. Are you ashamed? Are you ashamed of the gospel because of how people view you? Don't be. God's not giving you the spirit of fear. You've got power. You've got a message. And these things are what motivate us as Christians to be watchmen. If you don't feel motivated, check your heart on these issues. Ask God to show you what you need to do. So if your passion for Christ is dwindled, man, just after this when we're praying, when we're worshiping, ask God to reignite that flame, that passion in your heart again for the gospel and for God and for the Bible and for sharing with the lost. You know, some of you guys are a lot cooler than I was in high school and maybe some of you guys are the cool kids in high school and kids look up to you and you know what? You can use that influence to love on them like Christ loved others. That's a cool thing. You recognize that, use that. But if your passion for Christ has dwindled, let all of this that we looked at from God's word rekindle it and motivate you to, for God to use you this school year to reach people for him, to be watchmen. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for these guys being attentive and listening. And I know that, I know that many of them care about what you have to say, God. They really do. But I also know that it's hard. This life is hard, and it's hard. High school's hard let alone being a Christian in high school. So God, I just pray. I pray that those in here who love you and sincerely want to live for you, I just pray that they would decide once and for all right now that you are worth more to them personally than what other people have to think. And they don't care that they're going to make fun of for not going to parties with kegs at them. They don't care that they're going to make fun of for not having sex before they're married. They don't care that they're going to get made fun of for not participating in the disgusting and perverted talk that everyone does and looking at perverted, disgusting things on the internet. They don't care because you are worth it. And what you did for them is more worth it. Just having a proper understanding of the gospel will give them that motivation to be bold witnesses, to be watchmen that aren't ashamed of the gospel and I pray that they would decide that tonight before school starts Lord and for those that are in here don't know you as their personal savior God I pray that they would just give their life to you right now the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved all they have to do is call upon your name and ask you to save them and you will right here right now and you will send the Holy Spirit to live in their hearts for the rest of their lives. I pray that they, if they don't understand, that they'd at least seek one of us out, the friend that brought them or a counselor, to tell them more about it. I love you, Lord, and I pray that uh, as everyone's praying and singing this last song, you'd be glorified and that we would just make the decisions that we need to make to be used by you this school year. It's in your name that I pray, amen.